Hello, this is Edie. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure you knew first how much we appreciate you, and that in honor of Teacher Appreciation Week, right now at Heinemann.com, you can get 15% off and free shipping on all Heinemann professional books. This offer runs until May 11th. Head on over after the episode. Some restrictions apply. See the website for details. The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. Heinemann is a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann, dedicated to teachers. I'm Brad from Heinemann. On today's podcast, curiosity. What happens when we put students in the driver's seat? Harvey Smokey Daniels says, when we let kids be curious, they dive deep. They persist longer when they're curious. Smokey says if we can activate a student's curiosity, they no longer need to be forced into action. So where do elementary teachers fit inquiry and curiosity into their day? And how do we hand over the reins to students in a well-structured environment? Smokey Daniels covers all of this and more in his newest book, The Curious Classroom, 10 Structures for Teaching with Student-Directed Inquiry. We started our conversation talking about why Smokey is so excited about this new book. Well, I I spent the last couple of years embedded in several awesome elementary schools, and I saw such great teaching there, kids making incredible progress, leaps and bounds and gains. You know, I just couldn't wait to get it all in a book. What I saw when I would go in those classrooms is these you know brilliant structures that teachers invented or created or adapted. Great time, great time use, doing things really efficiently and, and uh, briskly. Kids super engaged and curiosity activated. And, uh, you know, the schools in the districts that we worked in had, you know, had some good results too. There were some good test scores gains in places. And so all that put together made me just want to get that get that into a book. And so for me, uh, The Curious Classroom really is a dream come true. Sometimes inquiry can feel daunting. How is this book making getting started with inquiry easier? To begin with, I think sometimes just the word inquiry is a little hard for people. It sounds kind of abstract and a little bit technical. But all it really means is uh, posing questions and seeking answers to them. So it's it doesn't have to be that exotic. You know, and then and then we have our own fear of losing control that sometimes I think people make pictures in their heads of kids going wild if they're released to say pursue answers to their own questions for a while but what people have to understand what the book is all about is that this is highly structured. It's very highly structured. I mean, it's a tight ship. A lot of teachers say, well, I run a tight ship, but it is a tight ship, but it's a different kind of ship, right? And when we have kids buy in, when we have their engagement, when they're committed to the process because they own the inquiry, they're participants in creating the agenda, then those problems disappear. So we engage kids by tapping into their good old-fashioned intrinsic motivation, right? So our our fear of losing control is sometimes uh, overrated. But what, all we're trying to do really here is we're trying to make school more interesting, right? And and the great thing about that is that when we do this kind of student-directed inquiry, not only does school become more interesting for kids, it becomes more fun for us too as teachers. How does your approach differ from other kinds of inquiry or project-based learning? Well, right now, these days, there's a resurgence of project-based learning. It's, it's almost, we we'll call it a boom. Um, and that's great. And that's great for all of us. 
us, and I think people who do this work are, are all one family. One thing I see that makes my work different, my book is different, because a lot of project-based learning that I observe around the country, not all of it, but frequently I observe that what the process is, is that teachers sit down and plan a unit, and it's all benchmarked and standard, standard-based and everything else, but they plan an enormous, ambitious unit, and then later they bring it to the kids and they basically march the kids through all the things that have been pre-planned. And believe me, some of the topics are glorious. The thing is, kids don't still don't have that level of ownership, that feeling of agency that they would have had if they had created it together as a group with their teacher and their classmates. So we call our approach student-directed inquiry instead of, say, project-based learning. There's an interesting shade of difference in the meaning of that, you know. Now, what happens in the student-directed model is then kids have to take more responsibility. They have more ownership. Uh, they have they have to find information. They have to winnow it. They have to vet the sources. They've got to take notes. They got and then they got to figure out a way to share what they learned with some other people. So why the emphasis on curiosity? So for centuries, schools have been based on coercion, teachers making kids to do stuff they don't want to do. So that's where we get all these grades and rewards and gold stars and prizes and different kinds of punishments trying to shape kids' behavior. So that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to move from coercion to curiosity. What's so exciting is in recent years, there's been this amazing research on curiosity, the state of mind of curiosity. And now we understand from this brain research that curiosity is it literally is a state of mind that you can attain and stay in for a while. And if you're in that mind state, and you can look at the MRIs of people, it's really kind of amazing. When you're in that mind state, you focus more clearly, you look more deeply, um, you're more, you're more uh, expansive in your research, you don't just notice the surfaces of things, you notice the deep structures. When you're curious, when you're in that state of mind, you persist longer, you bring Bring more self-regulatory skills into play. All these are attributes of getting in that curious frame of mind. One of the things we see is, holy cow, if kids' curiosity is activated, they don't need to be coerced. If we can make school interesting, bring kids' questions in, then all that tradition of a lot of that behavioral shaping and contention and worry and stuff uh, goes away. We often say the big job of the, this work is to make school more interesting. What would you tell someone who wants to get started with inquiry? Well, I tell them start small. <laughs> and that's really how the book proceeds. It's got a ladder of 10 steps, 10 different structures you can use to, to integrate student-directed inquiry into your class. And it begins with short amounts of time and simple structures with kids and then moves on to more and more complex and challenging ones if you want. Now, for example, the first chapter in the book talks just about the teacher modeling their own curiosity, us showing kids our curious life. So talk about an easy way to begin this. You're in charge. It's you in front of the kids and you come into class and you spend three minutes and you say, you guys, I'm reading this unbelievable book. I'm enjoying it so much. Let me read you a paragraph that really struck me last night, right? Or tell the kids about a project you're working on around home. One of the teachers in the book had terrible feet. It's the first story in the book, Megan's terrible feet, right? And she tells the kids about how she's trying to rehab her feet so she can begin running again. She's a huge athlete, right? And she's, and the kids are fascinated, totally fascinated. So talk about an easy start. All you have to do is find two minutes, five minutes, and let kids know what a curious person you are in your out-of-school life. 
So what so many teachers tell me is once you take the risk, once you get your courage up and let kids do some pose and pursue some of their own questions, even if it only takes five or 10 minutes, uh, what happens is then the kids come back and they prove to you how amazingly trustworthy they are. And in fact, you can move from coercion to curiosity in the classroom. And again, it's the kids who prove it to us with the work they do when we trust them. One more hint about getting started, I would say find a friend, find a colleague. In my work around the country over all these years, one of the things I feel like I've discovered is that the voluntary outbreak of teacher collaboration, oftentimes grade level team members, but sometimes cross grade level, when teachers partner together because they want to and because they're excited and they're into it, that's the secret sauce of school change of school improvement. I really believe that. Smokey, why is inquiry good for kids? Well, in the first place, we have lots of research that shows that inquiry work for kids increases their engagement in school, raises their academic achievement, and teaches them social skills that they can use throughout their life. So the, the, there, there are a lot of benefits. Actually, a story that just, just happened, one of the schools in the book four years ago was on probation in their, in their, in their state. And two years ago, after having adopted this model across the whole building, they got off probation and became a school that met expectations. Yesterday, I got a text from the principal, and this year they are now listed as exceeds expectations. It's the fastest turnaround I've ever seen in a school, and I've done a lot of school change work. That school is like a little rocket riding up on student-directed inquiry. Where does curiosity and inquiry fit into an elementary teacher's day? The book offers 10 ways, 10 models for you to bring inquiry into your classroom, no matter what kind of schedule you have. And each chapter, each of those 10 chapters off, offers three or four different models. So in all, there are 33 different specific models step-by-step step about how you can initiate inquiry in your classroom. So many teachers find time to begin with inquiry work during morning meetings. They can find a little space in there to do something small. Other teachers begin setting up a wonder wall or a question board in the classroom where kids and the teacher can post wonderings they have as the day goes by. Some of those might be about the curricular unit we're working on right now. Some of those might just be about questions that pop up to individuals in the room. So then also, then you set aside time to come back to that wonder wall at some time, maybe the end of the day, maybe Friday afternoons for 20 minutes, and then give kids a chance to briefly research the questions. Pick one off the wonder wall, something maybe it was your burning question or was someone else's hot topic, and pick a question and spend 10 minutes or 15 minutes looking into it. So other teachers have found a lot of success with instituting something we call soft starts at the beginning of the day. So when the kids come in, instead of just the bell rings and the teacher starts talking, they have 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes where, for example, they can pursue an investigation of their own. They can do independent reading. Some places teachers say they can talk quietly, but it's a soft, gentle start. So we call helping kids find their own way into the day instead of that jangling, harsh startup. One of my favorite stories in the book from Easton School in, in Iowa, uh, the fifth grades, there's four rooms at the end of the hall. And every day when the kids come in off the bus, they come in and they throw down their backpacks and they go in these classrooms and they start dancing and they turn on loud music, which the kids have picked, and they dance, and they do slides, they do line dances, they do. And then when I came in, one of the kids said to the teacher, can we do a conga line? <laughs> and Ms. Schellebarger said, sure, you can do a conga line. So about eight 
kids grabbed each other and they snaked off the in the hall to the next, and they went all around to all three other classrooms because all your friends aren't necessarily in your own homeroom, right? So it's a greeting ritual. It sounds crazy, you know, when you see it, you go, I don't know. But these teachers have a theory of adult development. This is actually very principled that why would we spend the whole day trying to bottle up all that energy? Kids want to say hi, they want to blow off some steam. And after that, when the dancing is over, then they go into this beautiful, absolutely silent, totally focused individual work for the next 15 minutes when kids are pursuing their own research topics. It's something to see, I'll tell you. So as the value of this kind of teaching really convinces teachers to do more, then sometimes people will start a genius hour or genius half hour. Sometimes you pick a time during the week when kids know they're going to have some dedicated time to pursue topics of curiosity and interest to them. Thinking about my friend Daniel Argyris and another one of the schools in the book, he's in there. Um, They were studying immigration. And one of the things he brought to prime it was the trunk his grandfather took through Ellis Island in 1929. And he opened up the trunk and in there, all the paperwork, including how they changed his name. Great. You know, every family story is the story of America. And the kids were blown away. It was so real. How does inquiry look different between primary and intermediate grades? You know, it doesn't differ that much. I mean, the little pre-Ks and kindergartners might not be able to write very well, and there's only so much they can read. But mainly, we use all the same tools and structures at all levels. Uh, One of my favorite kindergarten stories in the book at Glenwood School, the kids were studying kindergarten. They were studying uh, spring. And the teacher said, well, why don't you guys draw some pictures of spring things? What are you noticing noticing now that's happening? out around us and so kids start drawing spring things one kid's drawing a bee and uh, he hollers out hey what color are bees wings <laughs> somebody says yellow and somebody else says they're white and so right at this moment the instructional coach Deb Zafiro is standing by the door and she's looking at the teacher and they're going like it, silently they're going should we go for this the kids are so revved up and Deb goes mm, and the teacher goes mm. so the coach runs upstairs and gets every bee book and every insect book she can find in the book room and she's traipsing through people's classrooms getting this stuff brings it downstairs and then they have a spontaneous on-demand one-hour workshop study research event all around bees and it went on so long the teachers later said we were sort of ready for it to be over <laughs> but look at what they learned they one first thing they learned a fabulous piece of tier two vocabulary academic vocabulary right transparent they'll never forget that but more importantly they spent all that time doing what researchers kindergartners what real research they posed their questions they went out and gathered information from the books that deb brought by they made beautiful posters to show what they learned about bees and other insects. And so it was, uh, you know, this is an example of what happens when we turn the reins over to kids, when we put them in the driver's seat in a a well-structured universe. Uh, They amaze us with what they can do. My thanks to Smokey for his time today. If you'd like to know more about The Curious Classroom, check out samples from the book, videos, and more on the Heinemann blog at Heinemann.com. And be sure to download a sample chapter. And a special note about the design of this book. It's packed full of colorful pages and special sketch notes, courtesy of author Tani McGregor. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to subscribe for more podcasts and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, you can get a daily teacher tip right on your phone directly from Heinemann Authors by downloading the Heinemann Teacher Tip app. All this and more on Heinemann.com. Thanks for listening. (music) 